Okay, we, we got video, so just do a big yawn. Big big stretch. There we go. <laughs> that's that's the thumbnail. We're testing out video today. We're recording it. I don't know if it's going to go out or not. Basically, we're just seeing if the uh, software we use will handle us. I'm on the right mic. I want to make sure. Yeah, I'm on you right are. Mic. That was really loud, though. Sorry. So we're testing out video. Good. How's it going? Oh, boy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm achy. I'm really from, achy. B- from being old? <laughs> being old. Part, firstly, from being old, but secondly, from just working so physically hard. Oh. I've been working. But it's okay. I like it. I, I'm not complaining at all. I, I welcome hard work. I feel like I've gotten a lot done. When in the morning, I can't move. It's great. So, Well, we were talking earlier about you being on the bike a lot. Like, you're oh, doing yeah. a lot of that. Is it? Is that what you're talking about, or are you physically, like, working in the house, or what's Well, the... no, I'll work all day long in the yard, in the house. I'm actually putting a floor, a second floor in the horse barn, framing the horse barn mm-hmm. with help from time to time. But I'm doing the upstairs floor by myself, only because it's difficult to move around, and there's just open joists, and I'm doing it myself because I just, I have a method, and I, I just rather work alone <laughs> and so i'm doing the floor upstairs by myself and these timbers are one and a half inches thick by 16 feet long by oh. eight inches wide and every time you pick one up you have to like stop and think for a minute and like okay i have to pick this up it's 16 feet long i got to swing it around somehow i started the floor in the wrong direction so every single board i pick up i have to do a 180 with so the tunnel <laughs> group is in the oh. other direction so every single board i pick up has to get flipped 180 and then I got to put it in place, mark it against the, the, the nearest closest joist and cut it. And, and so I'm doing that. <clears throat> so and then I'm also working over at the graveyard house, doing a lot of work at the graveyard house. And it's all just on hands and knees and up on a ladder and it's all physical stuff. But I welcome it. I'm not complaining in any way. But in the morning I wake up and I'm like the tin man every morning. I have to slowly... Yeah. Yeah. Slowly get out. It's, it's like I'm like a moth being born every morning when I get out of bed. But I have about I have about four minutes to go from co- is it cocoon. What do they call it? It's not a cocoon. <laughs> cocoon, not a cocoon. Cocoon. Yeah, no. Is it a cocoon? Is that what the moth yes. comes out? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I was saying the wrong word, but I know I'm saying it awkwardly because I didn't know cocoon. if I was right. Cocoon. So I got oh. about four minutes to come out of the cocoon to like full spread wings. Hmm. And it's usually the most painful four minutes of the day. I've been doing this thing where I go for a one to three mile walk every morning and it's within five minutes of waking up. Like I wake up that's cool. and go to the bathroom and then I am out the door before I can even think that uh, I, I don't want to do it. That's cool. So huh. I've, been, I've been doing that since since mid-July. That's cool. Walks nice. are good. I, I, I oh. was doing the walks before, obviously the bike. And I really enjoy doing the walks. The walks are really good to think. So I, I might, before it gets too cold out, I might start doing a couple here and there. I, last night, I went for a little bit of a walk, talking on the phone, just out. And uh, I was like, oh, I missed this. I got to do this again. So. Yeah, I'm still stuck at running. I just, I think it's, I know it. I have my my paths, you know, if I need to run this mileage, I know that I can go this place and that does it. Yeah. And trying to, I keep thinking like, yeah, I should start riding my bike some. We got some trails around here. I could do this. I could do that. I've got workout stuff. I should do some of that. And I just like default to running because it's just easy. I don't have to think about it, which, you know, 
I don't enjoy it that much either, but mm. <laughs> at least it's easy to do. But I would like to kind of break it up, do some other stuff, you know, especially as it starts to get colder. But Yeah, we got a... We, we basically have a home gym now. We have a, an elliptical, we have a rowing machine, and then we just got a new uh, one of those crazy bikes, a soul cycle bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't done the bike thing much yet, but uh, I know winter is coming and, and my, my walks are going to slowly fade away. So I want to start doing some more, more cardio stuff. There's a slogan that somebody sent me in an email. It was just one of those memes that people send around. It wasn't anything specific, but in one of these things, it said, when you think you don't have any more left, there's always more when it comes to energy. They were kind of talking about energy and just, you know, determination. And after a really long, hard day of moving flooring around and installing flooring and being down and up and down on my knees and up and down the ladder all day long, it's about 11 o'clock. And I think to myself, oh, now it's time. It's time for the bicycle. Do you really want to do this? Mm. And then, like, I have the the devil and the angel on my shoulders going, do it, don't do it. You've worked hard enough today. You've earned your calories. Don't better get on the bike. You know how fat you are. You know, so, like, this is this, that's happening at around 1030. And I always go on the bike. The, the angel always wins, and I go on the bike. And I, I feel good nice. about it. I feel good about mm. it after every time. And it, it's honestly a workout happens. like that is it still happens. it's a different kind of of like muscle use than all of that other physical stuff you're yeah. doing no, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like it in when you're in that like it's the angel on the shoulder moment it's that, that cardio yeah. that i really don't have because throughout the day i'm physically picking up stuff right i might be building right. muscles like a lumberjack but that cardio which at my age i feel is important yeah the build at up. all ages yeah but yeah <laughs> especially when you're as old as you <laughs> Oh. Sorry, I mean, I got to take my shots because yeah. I, I have to, I, you know. Anyway, well, uh, David, what have you been up to? A year ago, I tried to make some coffee mugs and it was oh, it was a yeah. terrible day. It was the worst day in the show. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I had a, uh, uh, I think we tripped two saw stop blades because I accidentally cut into metal. Uh, when I wasn't expecting to, I had a drill chuck go bad, and then uh, I had a tooth, uh, a tooth, a carbide cutter on a joiner break and fly out, and then a bandsaw blade broke. Um, That's I was That's like, an expensive is, day. It was a really expensive day. In that video, we tallied up everything, and what the the bandsaw blade breaking was kind of like, okay, let's go take a break. Let's go to the store let's go get a new blade and some new carbide cutters and just kind of reset and on the way there uh, my brother was with me it was just like you know what let's just call it quits the (laughs) universe is trying to tell me something it's not my day i'm gonna lose an arm or a leg or something Something bad's gonna happen let's just call it quits and just make a video out of this and so fast forward a year later we are recreating not that video but that project and everything worked this time nothing broke oh. no yeah no no injuries no saw stop breaks everything came out of every piece of equipment replacement parts for each equipment <laughs> yeah so everything is good so that's the next video is making some some wooden coffee mugs which is kind of funny because this is my third attempt at making wooden coffee mugs the first one hmm. i didn't know how to coat the inside this is the first one is a really really old video 
do not go watch. Um, but the uh, I didn't know how to coat the inside, and so I asked my viewers like, "Hey, what's a good way to coat the inside that's food safe?" And then I got all these suggestions, but none of the suggestions was food safe for hot foods. There's there's different kinds of food safe. There's food safe for for prep, and then there's food safe for. Mm, I, I can't think of the the other way, but like you can, uh, you know, all finishes are food safe once fully cured. So like your tabletop with a polyurethane is technically food safe, but you don't want to cut on it because it'll it'll chip off. And so for this one, we use some whiskey, metal whiskey glasses, and some Yeti style, answer. yeah, yeah, and also some Yeti style coffee mugs. That's uh, like a stainless steel with a lid. And so I made four of them with these inserts and just made wood that surrounded that. And it came out really good. Oh, that sounds so, like a nice idea. Yeah. I started with four <laughs> thinking I'm going to screw one or two of them up. So as long as I can just get one, I'll, I'll have one for myself. But all four of them came out just fine. Wow. So it's, that's the same thing you did on the last one, right? Where you had the metal insert. Is it the yeah, same the, insert, the same process? Same insert, same process. This time I measured the inserts before uh, boring out the wood and sticking it in there and then trying to cut off the excess because I didn't know, I didn't have the exact measurements of the inserts when I would go to cut the bottom. Like some of them would be turned on the lathe, some of them would be made on the drill. And then I would cut the excess off on the table saw, but I didn't where I thought I was cutting just wood, I also cut oh, into the... Oh, you hit the blade. You, yeah. hit the, you hit the metal. Yeah. yeah. And you do it once, and you're I didn't lose two stop breaks. I, I misspoke earlier. I I tripped a break once cutting into metal, and then the next time I went to go do it, I turned the break off just in case, but I'm like, I'm totally clear. There's no way I'm hitting metal. And I hit metal again, uh, <laughs> and I just saw sparks fly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's such it's 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 such a simple project and it's caused me so much pain. <laughs> well that means it's not simple though. If it was that's, simple then it would have been like yeah. easy. It's not yeah. easy, you know. Yeah. Well that's why like for instance like Alex Steele picks these things to duplicate because his complexity and simplicity. You just pick mm -hmm. a wrench. Like, I'm gonna make a wrench over and you realize how complicated oh, that ratchet and wrench really series are. is phenomenal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked when he made the, the climbing carabiner. Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of experience with those throughout my life, and I never even considered how difficult it would be to make one, much less forge one, because why would you do that? But, you know, uh, that was really, really cool to see. Let's see. Well, for me, um, I don't know if this video is going to be out this weekend or probably will be next weekend because it's kind of running behind. But last week I was talking about the Pepakura thing about the paper craft folding. And so what I'm doing with that is uh, I'm, I like transformers, I always have. And so <clears throat> one of the things I've always wanted to do would be to build a life-size transformer or part of a transformer just to see how big they actually would be. So I decided with Halloween coming up, I was gonna make Optimus Prime, the main good guy. I was gonna make his head actual size and then make it a helmet so that I can wear it so I look like a bobblehead. Oh boy. And so I did I found a template, a Pepakura template for this thing and then did some math, which I'm curious how you would do this, Jimmy. I don't mm -hmm. know why you specifically, but I thought about it this morning. I want to hear how you would go about this. But I I sized up 
the template to actual size. It's flat, and then I cut it out on a laser and then assembled it so I have this giant head that is a, almost bigger at, than my shoulders. Out of cardboard? Yeah, out of cardboard. So how would you go about if you had a template like that and then you have a theoretical – I know this character is 22 feet tall. Right. How would you go about getting the scale percentage for the template – to match that I overall would, size. I kick, I pick one key thing in a photograph reference. So one key thing in a photograph. So if there's a photograph of Optimus Prime next to a counter, a counter is usually 30 inches tall. I would use that as a reference to see how tall anything else that is a key in, element in that object. So if it's a photograph and I could see that the counter and then if there's like a, a thing on his face, and if it's as half as high as like a little, I'll do a little tick sheet, which is a piece of paper in that photograph. Or if I'll bring it into Illustrator and then I'll make like a box to say, okay, like I'll blow the picture up to where I could make a box in Illustrator. Let's say it's 30 millimeters, right? And to me, that's 30 inches, right? And I take that box that I've drawn that I know now in this little world of this image is 30 millimeters tall and I'll drag it up to the face and find anything that's like a perfect half of that so that I know that that part is 15 inches or whatever. So uh, that's usually what I'll do. I'll bring it into Illustrator. Or like I said, if it's a printout, which no longer is the case because we used to have printouts all the time, I would just do like a little tick sheet and be like, okay, that's 30 inches I know. And if I bring it up to an object on the face and it's half as high as my little tick, my two little marks on the edge of a piece of paper, I'm like, okay, that should be about 15 inches so that I know when I blow up my pattern, I'm only worried about that one element that's 15 inches, for instance. And then the rest of it falls where it may, and then I'll know that I'm in the right scale. That makes sense? Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Yeah. I took a, a picture of him from the front into Photoshop, measured. I knew that he was supposed to be like 22 feet tall, top to bottom. So I, I found the proportion of his head height to his body and then found that proportion within the 22 feet, and that gave me some number that I don't remember. And then I had to figure out how to do <clears throat> the to get the scale of the template. So I had to measure, like his forehead has this shape on it, and so I used that, like you're talking about, I used that shape as the corresponding thing. So... If it's this big on the picture and it's this big on the printout, then I know that I have to, you know, do this percentage. Yeah. And so it was. It's kind of weird because it feels like you should be able to do one set of math to get that, but you're actually doing two sets of math: one on the picture to get the overall scale, and then one to scale the template. It, it's not hard math, but it what is I, two what separate things. What I usually things, do, I know so. what is. Dave, you might know the answer to this. What is the environment inside Illustrator? It's like 10 feet by 10 feet, or is it? can it be any size you want? I, I don't know if it's grown or not. Uh, yeah, I'm not real sure. But I'll, I'll bring oh, it's anything. Way, and it's way more than 10 feet by 10 feet, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly <clears throat> certain. Maybe. I mean, like I assume like if somebody's going to lay out like a building and it's like a 100-foot banner, I would assume that you could make it bigger. But like the default size is the size I'm talking about, because I've never really gone outside the default size. But what I will do in the environment of Illustrator is make anything as big as it needs to be, even if it's way off my palette. And then I could then break it down into bite-sized pieces, say, for instance, for a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood, if I was going to do a CNC cutout, or a 4 by 4 or 3 by 4 for the laser cutter. So I'll leave it sized in the environment on Illustrator and then break pieces of it off to bring into hmm. scalable, cut, cuttable sizes for my equipment. 
that's usually that's usually how I do it. For instance, I did the I did the series where I made the United States, and I found a good map of the United States with a fat line, and I brought it into Illustrator, and I did a I did a what do you call that a, a an image trace, so it it made that black line a little bit more muddy. Because when you do it, when you do an image trace, it turns all your blacks into vectors. But sometimes it also softens them, which for type is a bad thing. But for a big image of a loosely bandsaw cut United States, it was perfect because I printed it out and tiled it. And every time I cut out one of the states, I made sure that I was just inside that black line so that I know it would puzzle close enough to the next state over. And so the gap between it becomes the black line in my image. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I did have to scale up the United States up to eight feet. And I tiled it in A4 paper on my printer and printed it all out. Did I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's, this is related and slightly non-related. But typically, like I've been doing drawer organizers. And so if I need to get the scale of like a square and a screwdriver, I'll throw them on a piece of paper of a known size, like an eight by 10, and I'll take a photo of it. I'll take that photo into Photoshop and then I'll, I'll do a perspective fix of the paper. So 100%. I know that it's, I yeah. do that all the time, yeah. And then I'll take that, I'll bring it into Illustrator, and then I know that paper is eight and a half by 11 or whatever, and I'll then scale that. And so that yeah. gives me the exact size of the tools that I'm gonna cut out and yeah. make drawer organizers. Shaper has this new framing yes. tool. Have you seen yeah. this? Yeah. I wish it was I wish it was bigger because I would probably buy it. But it's a it's basically like a looks like a picture frame and it's got markings on there. You put whatever you want inside there. You take a photo of it with within their app and their app does all of those calculations, the perspective fix yeah. and the scaling all in one. Yeah. And it's pretty brilliant. It, it's cool, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I do a very similar thing. I lay. Remember how much fun we had talking about cutting mats last week? I I will lay a tool on a cutting mat, the cutting mat with the one mm, by one inch increments. Yeah. And so I'll lay out a grid in Illustrator one by one. That's enough to get me to my perspective and everything sorted back to square. And then I know exactly how big my cutout. That's if I'm going to like laser cut a silhouette to hold an object or something. Yeah. I mean, just to add another to that same thing. I do the same thing in Fusion. You can bring in an image as a decal and then you can set the scale. So if you know that there's like a one inch square thing in the image, you can select that square and it will scale it on screen to the scale of your project. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's a great way to be able to trace around something. It's the same process, but um, but that doesn't correct for the perspective stuff. You would still have to do that outside of it. So I, I feel like the Shaper tools, I haven't used any of the, their new software stuff that they've been coming out with lately, but it seems like they're going really far in making good usable design tools that are cheap or free or something. Do you have experience with them, David? I don't know. I, I, I've been, oh, okay. I'm subscribed to their YouTube channel and I, I follow them on a couple of social media sites just to keep up because you're right. I think they are doing some really cool stuff. Like for me, Illustrator and Photoshop is just natural. I've been using these, yeah. these tools for like 25 years, but somebody who's just getting into this, these are, these programs are like 30 years old. They're really like you just, it just builds complexity over all these years. And so I think it's kind of cool that somebody's coming along like, here's just a simplified version 
of that and this yeah, is they, they've taken need. the one tool out of illustrator that everyone's always using like us yeah yeah and yeah the uh sean works at shaper sean's going to be here for maker camp he's going to spend a couple of days with me so I'll, I'll pick his brain while he's here and ask him hmm. about the apps and i'll report back cool shaper sean if anybody knows shaper sean that's what we call him. i met him somewhere yeah workbench con or something yeah um so after i got all the scale figured out for the thing it was really cool because i just you can cut obviously any paper craft stuff with a knife and that was my plan originally but as I was laying this thing out and scaling it up I'm like these pieces are huge <laughs> and the laser is really good at making really good straight cuts and so we have these big 36 inch square pieces of cardboard at the office like a big stack of them that we got for making boxes and stuff and so I threw those on the thunder laser and just imported the PDF scale it up 205% and it cut all the pieces perfectly. It was, I mean, I did have to figure out a couple of things, like where the fold lines were. Uh, I just did a couple of tests to figure out how to cut through the top layer of a corrugation and not mm. the bottom layer. So you have a score line through yeah. cardboard. Mm. And and there's even like tools built into it for perforation. So it'll do, you know, a, it'll cut and then not cut and then cut and then not cut. So you can make perforation. That, that would be a different colored layer in Lightburn, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Are there... Um, I, I just had to ship some weird things lately. I'm like, man, I don't have a box that fits this. And then, and so it, I'm always like, ah, I'll wait for Amazon to come in a couple of days and I'll, I'll use one of those boxes. Is there a free tool for a box making thing where you can say, I want this height, this width and depth? I mean, you could use maker case to get your, your overall sizes and, and it lays it out. Then you would have to kind of line them up so that they overlap, but you could totally okay. do that. I actually found a video when I was looking for the cardboard settings. I'll see if I can find this video. This lady was making her own custom boxes on her Thunder Laser, and I was watching it for the settings, you know, the, the actual like power settings and stuff. But she goes through the entire process of making uh, custom boxes um, I'll put a link to it once I find it, but <clears throat> yeah, you can totally do that. Um, and Sorry, I did a box. So I, I did a package design oh, video yes. before lasering, so I should revisit that. Go ahead, Dave. Bob, yeah. yeah. Well, so I, I got these pieces cut, and it it went super well. It got the whole thing built, and I'm waiting on some electronics to finish it off. But it looks really cool. After I did all of that work, I got it painted, I got it everything. I was looking at it, and you can still kind of see the corrugations within the cardboard on the surface. There's no, I mean, that's just how cardboard is, right? And it's not a big deal for this project. But as I was looking at it, I realized, I don't know why I didn't think of foam core in the first place, but it would be a perfect replacement for cardboard in this. It's almost the exact same thickness. You can cut it on a laser, has all the same glueability and all that type of stuff, but it doesn't have the corrugations on the inside. So the faces, all these big flat faces on this thing would be perfectly smooth. Hmm. So I was under the impression that you shouldn't cut foam core on a laser. Am I wrong? Apparently you can, because I looked it up the other day and people were like, oh yeah, it works great. It, you okay. know, it, there's barely anything to it. Because I, I kind of thought the same thing. It seems like styrofoam you wouldn't want to cut, but uh, found quite a few references to people doing it and nobody was, you know, screaming at them for being unsafe <laughs> or anything. So I, I can't prove that, but I feel like that would be a really good option. What you got there, Jimmy? You're oh, you're on mute. <clears throat> Talking about laser cutting, I when I, I'm going to uh, a meetup for Carhartt in Detroit, 
and you got to bring something. They want they're going to do like a what do you call that? Like a everybody brings something to give away. Mm. You made a little a giveaway square. <clears throat> so I made a little thirty sixty triangle. That's not quite perfectly thirty sixty, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> One of the things that I've done with my laser a long time ago is uh, I cut a I cut a square just like what you're showing, but I made one for segments. So when I go to, when I want to cut segments on my table saw for the the lathe, I've got one that's a twelve segment jig. Oh, that's oh that's and cool, then I got yeah. one that's a thirty six, and it's just it's it's precise and it's just ready to go. Yeah, that's yeah, that's smart. Idea. Uh, what was I going to suggest? Um, oh, I was showing you this because this is cast acrylic. Now, I wanted to ask, since we're on laser cutting for a second, I can cut this. It's fairly smelly, but it's not. It, it doesn't leave that taste in your mouth like you're being poisoned to death. <laughs> Those are the ones you're not supposed to cut. Cast the acrylic? Ones that taste like. No, no, no. Cast acrylic is fine. You're probably cutting like PVC or something. Yeah. That well, will kill you. Like don't, regular, don't do that. Yeah, like regular plexiglass. And then I also have a lot of Lexan. So I Googled Lexan. You can't cut Lexan either on there because it, it like blocks right. out certain colors. Yeah. Uh, it breaks the light up and it doesn't work. Uh, so cast acrylic cuts beautifully. Mm-hmm. Regular acrylic, I think, is. I know that in Chinatown in New York, the older students would always get letters cut on. I think acrylic looks pretty good, but it's. It, it gives you that bad taste in your mouth. So make sure your thing is vented outside, not like me. Like <laughs> vented into the shop. I can't commit to cutting a hole in the wall. It's the problem. There's also the... It, it might be it, worth it. Some of know. those things are toxic, but some of them also are not good for your laser because the, the fumes in there will fog up your lenses and, yeah. and mirrors. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yep. But more importantly, your health. Yeah, yeah. It'll fog up the inside of your lungs. That's a bad thing. <laughs> That's bad. <clears throat> yeah. Never so do that. The, Never do the, right. the helmet thing <laughs> it has, has come out really well. I'm, I'm pretty excited to show it off, but I wanted to throw that out. Anybody that's – I don't know that I'll talk about the foam core thing in the video. I should, but I don't know that there's a spot for it. But if you're going to make anything like this and you're looking to cut – verify that it's okay on a laser first, but um, I think it's a really good option for this type of thing. So – if I do anything like this in the future, I'll use foam core instead. And you can get it in all different colors and stuff too. So having a base color rather than just cardboard brown might be helpful, you know. But anyway, um, we did we have a topic? I know we talked about a few things. Before we, we go into the topic, I want to get sure. Jimmy's reaction on his own video. What's what? What video? Oh. Oh, the never do that video. Yes. Because I really, really enjoyed that video. Oh, and, thank you. And thank um, you. Uh, I, I was, did everybody get it? Were there any people who had a, a lot negative of people, reaction? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of people like, I can't believe you would show these techniques. Uh, everybody wants to see an alternative way to do it safely. At the very end of the video, this is how I know people didn't watch the whole thing. Because they're like, I can't, at the very end of the video, I said, if, if anything you see or do, it feels uncomfortable, don't do it. It's that simple. There's always alternative methods to go to a safer way of doing anything. I did a lot of tricks with the angle grinder. I was like, use a, a file and a, and a hacksaw. You get the same results, and it's much safer. And if you're going to do something on the, on the miter saw, do it on the bandsaw. It's a safer alternative. And if that's scary, then get a handsaw. So I did say that at the very end, some people appreciated that. But uh, most people, 95% of the comments were, were like, this is funny. I'm going to make sure I never do any of these cool techniques that you just taught me how to do. Because I, I, I have all these tips that 
for those that don't know, I have all these tips that I could never really show in a legitimate way, even though some people are like, what are you talking about? You do these all the time. Some people laugh. <clears throat> There's a lot of tips that I, I want to show, but I can't really show. So I did a video that says never do this. So I show the tip exactly how it works. And I say, don't ever do this. It's too dangerous. What else can I do in this world? How can I, what else can I show it? Yeah. They are too dangerous if you don't have the skill set or, or the confidence or the understanding. A lot of the things I've done, you'll notice my hands are completely away from the blade. Some people did compliment me and say he's showing you how not to do things. But if you notice his hands are far enough away from the blade to avoid a kickback or whatever. And a lot of <clears throat> a lot of these techniques are born out of just being hasty on a job site. I spent a lot of time on construction sites and oh, this piece of plywood doesn't fit in the closet because whoever did the sheetrock did a horrible job putting the sheetrock in. So I got to take it to the table saw and free cut a curve off of the corner of it, then bring it in and put it in. And so most of those techniques really came out of just working on a construction site. I did some finished carpentry work while I was at school and every day was just taking risks on the table saw, you know, with job site saw, which is really super dangerous in general. And that's just how I learned a lot of these techniques. And then when you're putting up certain walls and doors and you need wedges and you're like, oh, all the wedges you get, you put six wedges together to get the wedge you want. And you just go to the table store and cut a wedge you need for that's six wedges all in one versus uh, having a pile of little skinny shims. All this type of stuff is just out of necessity. Hmm. But a lot of people enjoyed it. And I put part one. Honestly, I think I've gotten all the crazy, dangerous tips out of my system. I don't know if there's any more, but I'm sure they'll come up. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> As they come up, I got to remember them. I thought for sure you were going to do the, the 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 bandsaw where you would you, you would do some carving and, and shaving. Um, I thought you, about that. I could do that in part two because I mean yeah. I always show that as like a technique that you could do, but do it this way so I'm like i'm already i mean one video i'm telling you how yeah. to do it in the second video i'm telling you not to do it but i thought it might be a little paradox but what what, what were you going to say dave i cut you off i was just going to say um because if you don't know like i i, I see you doing <laughs> shaving and I, i've seen in sam maloof videos he does all the shaving on the bandsaw but if you don't know you got to have a point that's always on the table that's right uh, yeah. you can't carve in free space you, you can't carve in free space otherwise it'll throw yeah. it and um I just remember early on, I've had the bandsaw pull things from my hands before because mm -hmm. I just didn't know I wasn't aware. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In my, in my bandsaw video, I show how if you cut a circle, it'll go bananas. You try and cut a baseball. It's mm -hmm. like I, I joked in a, in a makerspace I was at last week. I was like, every student always shows up with a baseball, wants to cut a baseball in half or a golf ball. And they don't realize how dangerous that possibly could be. And in my video, I cut a puck. I cut, try to cut a puck sideways. And the puck goes bananas. It just spins up 100,000 RPMs and just starts spinning on the table and bounces around. And in my video, it bounced out of camera and then bounced back into camera and bounced Whoa. off the camera. It's really funny. That's in my, my things not to do on the bandsaw video. I was going to mention, before you started talking about the round things, the one kind of crazy experience I've had on a bandsaw was I tried to cut a globe in half. Oh, same boy. thing and so it's cardboard right in a sphere and it, as soon as those teeth hit it it just like just kept grabbing it and pulling it and <laughs> twisting it away from me and there's no way to grab it once it's going you just got to shut it off and let it spin and let it do its thing but yeah one another it thing i never showed work. this i i never showed i'm gonna cough 
one thing that I never showed, which I should show in my next don't do this video, but there's no, there's no real tip there. It's just really never do this. <laughs> I should do a video that says really, really never do this. Then people will know. <laughs> uh, you can't cut fabric on a bandsaw. Has anybody ever tried to cut fabric on a bandsaw? Some fabrics no. will grab. So if you imagine the tooth has to go through the piece of material, but the material itself has to support that cut so that the next tooth can then take more of it away. Mm -hmm. If you go to cut fabric, it'll just grab the strings in the fabric, the thread, mm. and just literally pull it down into the saw. So you go to cut, if you got something that has like loose fabric on it, and you think, oh, I'm just going to cut through that and get to the meat of what I want to cut. In some cases, the fabric will immediately get bound up in the blade and the saw will get completely locked up and frozen. And that's something you learn the hard way. Or like if you go to cut like a wire or anything with strands in it, those strands will get hooked up on the teeth of the blade. They won't necessarily cut through it. Okay, so just devil's advocate. If you had to do that, would adding another surface on top of it to compress the fabric down or pull it completely tight perpendicular to the blade? I would, I would sandwich it between pieces above and below. Definitely okay. more below than anything, because then as the blade is cutting, it's making a tiny little, what do you call that? Uh, when you stick the saw blade up through the... little curve. The, yeah, like the, curve the cut, perfect yeah. curve. What do they call it? Yeah. Like a perfect zero, zero clearance oh, cut. Zero clearance. It, would, oh, it would basically be creating a zero clearance cut. If you go to stick it in and there's like gaps on either side of your little surface plate there that is meant to kind of protect the bearings, it'll pull down into it. If you cut it with a piece of material, a sacrificial piece of material, the fabric will cut better. And but don't tip. do that. Since we're on the head, but don't do that. <laughs> Did you ever cut acrylic and the acrylic gets all muddied behind the cut and it gets all jammed up in the hole? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cut it on top of a piece of material. i got to write this down. For my <laughs> cut it on top of a piece of sacrificial material and then that melted part will get pulled down through and it won't become a hindrance. It won't stay stuck on the acrylic. Oh, It'll get mixed good. with the wood sawdust and go away. Hold on, I'm writing this down. Fabric on the bandsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this part too. Cool. Well, uh, does that satisfy your it interest does. about his it very much this video? Uh, we did have a topic, I think. Didn't we? Maybe. Uh, yeah, oh, it was things we've never done. Things, things we've, we've never, never done. done. Yeah. So that that's the topic, as loose or as tight as we want to make it. So things you've never done. Skills? Uh, action sports? I don't know. What you got? <laughs> Food? Okay. Things I've never done. <laughs> okay. I've never bungee jumped, and I've never jumped out of a plane, and I never will. No reason whatsoever to, to put yourself <laughs> in that danger. Zero. Okay. I would rather hold a two by six with my teeth on a chop saw making wedges then jump out of an airplane okay bob your turn okay well hang on let's take that thing right there <laughs> david have you ever done either one of those things no i have not no i and I, I i don't think that i will i don't want to i don't like roller coasters we went to an amusement park this summer and i hadn't been to one in 25 years and I won't go to one again. I just It's just not my thing. So I don't see myself jumping out of a plane anytime soon. It's, mm. it's completely unnecessary. Bob, okay. how many times have you done it? <laughs> I've never jumped out of a plane. I have been bungee jumping. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And it's it was fun, I guess, but not like, I don't know. You know, I did it once and then that was enough. 
the jumping out of a plane i i can see the allure but then when i think about actually doing it and the amount of risk and the amount of potential just not even not even just falling and dying that's one risk but also landing wrong and breaking oh, everything landing, up to your neck landing on a highway or landing in yeah, power I, lines oh forget yeah. it so i don't you know it's kind of like all of your tool tips if you were the person who physically knew how to land, how to fall, how to crash into things safely, you know, you had some training there or something, sure, maybe. But I don't have that job site experience to know what I should and shouldn't do. So if I were to jump out of a plane, I will break something eventually. Yeah. And that's not really something I'm interested in doing. So, And the bungee jumping thing, if I hadn't done it as a teenager, I wouldn't do it as an adult. No, too risky. So, yeah, that's me. Um, all right, David, what you got? It's funny that I suggested this and I can't think of anything. I, I need a little <laughs> no. bit more time. I have never had a taco. What about- I've never ate. I've never had a taco. That's what I'm going to start <laughs> with. Yeah, still. I'm saving it for, yeah, I'm saving it for a, a milestone. When we hit a million subscribers, I'm going to, I'm going to eat a taco. I'm going to do a taco. Oh, really? Project. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. All right, everybody if, listening. If, 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 if you're not subscribed, <laughs> go do it right now. Wait, you're close, Dave, aren't us. you? You're close. Uh, we're creeping up on nine hundred thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and oh, your yeah, channel's right the picking corner. up some steam, so I think you're going to get there quicker than you think. The um, it would be funny if you ate a taco made out of just veneer or laser cut veneer. <laughs> 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 Somehow do like a camera trick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't count. All right, let's see. Something I've never done. I have never... I have never... I have never sewn a piece of clothing. I have sewn things, but one of the things on my list long-term is to make, like, a piece of clothing. And I know that sounds not very exciting, but that seems so otherworldly to me, to even understand how... I'm with you, yeah. It goes I, about I made a pair going of together and how ago. you plan for it and all that stuff. I made a pair of jeans, and the way I did it is I took a sacrificial pair that fit me, and I cut it completely apart with an X-Acto. This was way before mm. YouTube. When I, I was on the big sewing kick, I had a, we took in, a, we took in a, a roommate in my workshop, and she taught me how to sew. She's actually a very famous leather worker. Her name is Agatha Bloys. If you look her up, she's made clothes for every rock star in the whole world. And Agatha. Agatha was in my shop, and she taught me how to sew. She made clothes from scratch so i was inspired by her and without taking up too much of a time i she's like oh just rip a pair of pants apart and just make it so i did that completely on my own and i did make a pair of leather pants that i put on once and i never put them on again but it was really more for the the technique of learning so you just i broke a pair of jeans down to all the various elements and just watched how they were put together as i took them apart mm-hmm. and i only did it once and it wasn't perfect but if i had done it three more times i probably would have got better at it so her name was it's not Agatha? It's no, Agatha? No, Agatha. Yeah, that's how you say it. She'll correct you every time. Wow. Yeah, okay. but she's all t- tatted yeah. up, right? She's all crazy tattoo rock star. Oh, yeah. Like looking at her, all the people she's worked with and stuff. Yeah, from yeah, uh, that's pretty wild. Rob Halford to all the Britney Spears. Stars, yeah. yeah. Iggy Pop. Also, there's all sorts yeah, of people on she here. Was I, she was, we, we were close for a minute in the, in the, uh, in the early aughts. And uh, 
I said to her as a joke, I said, how long do we have to be friends before you get my name tattooed on your cheekbone? And she laughed. She's like, I don't know. We'll figure that one out. <laughs> she's, got, she's got names and stars <laughs> tattooed all over. She's, she's bananas, rock star. Wow. Yeah. So for me, I, that's one of those things. It's on the list, but I don't even know where to start. And I don't know what I would want to make. It's more of just the the idea of being able to do that mm-hmm. you know, seems mm-hmm. really far out there for me. So, And it's funny because... Growing up, my mom, she still sews, but she sewed a ton growing up. She made me and all of us all sorts of little outfits, you know, and my kids, when they were little, still wore some of the same outfits that my mom made and stuff. You remember jams from the 80s? Oh, like the, yeah. oh I rock some jams. Oh, yeah. So she made me like my own jams, mm. you know, with that were cheaper, but obviously, but uh, fabrics, you know, from the fabric store that were like Hawaiian looking or whatever. Did your, and so my kids got to wear those when they were young. Did your local library have patterns, sewing patterns that you could borrow? Oh, I don't know. Our, ours did, yeah. Maybe that's a... I never even, like, considered that. Maybe that's what I should do, is oh, just yeah. get a pattern. I remember going to JCPenney and my mother, like, looking through... Even though my mother hardly ever made clothes growing up. She did occasionally buy them with the intentions of doing them, but she never really did. Hmm. I remember growing up, we always had a sewing machine in the house and nobody ever touched it. My mom would play on it once in a while. And then when I got to art school, I made it. I was like, you know what? Let me play with that thing. And that was really where I began to learn how to sew. I just started teaching myself. But then working with Agatha 20 years later, she was an incredible inspiration to show me specific details. Yeah, I think having somebody there to kind of like, just make sure you do it this way. That those little little things would, I think, probably make it way more successful than me just yeah. sitting there with a sewing machine that I barely understand how it works and just going for it. Get know, a but. Weaver three hundred three. It's an unbelievable machine. Writing this down. It's like a million dollars too, right? No, it's only like fifteen hundred bucks. It's such an incredible <laughs> machine. If you want to learn how to sew, it 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 does lightweight. It does hmm. somewhat heavyweight. It's not going to sew saddle leather, but you don't need that most often. It's only the price of one mortgage payment. What is it? Fifteen hundred bucks, right? It's it's twelve hundred, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty decent. Yeah, you can well, just versus... get one month one month behind, but you can sew <laughs> the two o the two o five, which is the big heavy industrial machine that I have from them too. That's about fifteen uh, forty five hundred bucks. It's a little bit more pricey. What's uh, what's the difference gotcha. in the price? Do you know. Uh, one's for one's uh yeah one's you said one's thirteen hundred bucks or fourteen hundred bucks, and the other one's. About five thousand. I mean, I mean, what, what? Uh, uh, oh, the difference in the, the, the yeah value of it. Yeah, yeah. For one, you can sew. Like the smaller one will sew th- simpler, thinner stuff, and the big one will sew like one inch thick through leather. Oh, okay. Including all your fingers and your yeah. toes, if you're not careful. <laughs> so you could cool. sew that like thick hide. It'll just punch right through it. It's got a tremendous amount of, and all machines nowadays on the subject of sewing for one more minute machines now all have uh, stepper motors in them where in the past they had a freewheeling clutch and you had to touch that treadle as you touch that treadle you're biting into the clutch and by closing that clutch you get the momentum of the sewing machine nowadays there's nothing running The, the lights on you could dial it down really slow so your stitch will go and will feed slowly Versus in the old days, if you hit it hard, you get in the full girth of that flywheel that's going. And you oh, and it runs out of your hands and hmm. scares the hell out of you. Hmm. 
So All right. get a machine with a stepper motor. All right, so round two. Jimmy, what's something else you've never done? Ski. Never ski. Really? Never. Same. In high school, we went on what? a ski trip, me and my dad and my brother and my sister. And my brother John had skied, and I got, I said, oh, well, let me see what this is all about. I, I remember clicking my feet into the skis. I got in the boots, I clicked, and I was skied about eight feet. And I stopped, and I unclicked myself and walked back up to the top, and I said, I'm not doing this. I handed <laughs> the skis to my brother, I took the boots off, and I said, I'll never ski ever again. Huh. So I Why? skied about eight feet, because I just pictured myself sliding 100 miles an hour into a tree with zero well, control. Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun. <laughs> I'll do that in a car. It's, it's can, gonna happen. <laughs> the need for speed. The need for speed is fun in a car. It's like you got a fighting chance. I got you. Yeah, yeah. But the need for speed on skis. I, the older I get, the more I think to myself: if it's not going to net result in like a product. Mm. But that's just that's part of my OCD. It's if if there's not going to be any product. It's funny. The the girl I'm dating said to me recently. She's like, "When is the last time you went to the beach?" I said, "I don't know, 25 years ago." She's like. Nothing good happens at the beach, right? You can't come home with anything. I was like, nope. <laughs> Except sand. So that's a, that's a really interesting point because this is something I struggle with as well. Is valuing an experience based on its output. Yeah. I do this all the time. And, yeah. and, and I don't think it's good for us, but I understand the tendency because I do the same thing. Yeah. I think it, there is something uh, to be learned through experience that doesn't have a physical productive output not necessarily skiing but going to things that you just walk away from it with like i did that and yeah. now i know that i was a part of that thing or i right. was whatever i mean and that's that as i've gotten said, older that's that's something i've i've really tried to prioritize especially with my kids like right. you know me you going to. to soccer games and stuff like i don't get anything out of that you have to financially or anything but there's something really important about just being a part of things that are happening even if you're not the one that's necessarily like i do them. do or yeah, I do too. And you know, it's yeah. funny, uh, like getting to know somebody new constantly. Oh, have you seen this show? Have you seen that show? I go, nope, nope, mm. nope. Have you seen this? Nope. But you never ever watch TV. I go, I just peruse YouTube videos. It's a never. Yeah. And it's been a struggle to try and somebody keeps asking for a television in this house. It's like, mm, yeah, <laughs> I don't need a TV. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like with, when it comes to television. Uh, and I said it about, remember I used to joke about Macintosh. I'm like, oh, wow, iPhotos is great. This is really cool. Wow. And these are each one of the, the updates. This is cool. Oh, look at this new feature. Wait a minute. What is this? Wait a minute. Why? Where are my files going? Oh, what happened? What? Never use iPhoto again. This is what yeah. happens with technology. It's like TV. It's like, oh, put antennas on the top. Oh, add, uh, add tinfoil to get better reception. Oh, wow. This cable hooks to the thing. Oh, that's great. Wait a minute, I got to program the TV? Wait a minute, auto-programming? What do you mean? There's not just four channels anymore? There's 700 channels? I don't need a TV anymore. Like, I've technologyed <laughs> myself out of so many programs and yeah, physical right. things to the point where it's just like, I remember having, a, I bought this big TV and it's like, you got to program the channels. And I thought to myself, I remember the moment looking through the instructions that I didn't just plug the TV in and turn it on and hook the cable to the back, that mm -hmm. HBO cable thing. <laughs> the, the cable cable I have to program this I remember literally the wind in my sails for television went completely out the window and I never turned that hmm. brand new TV on ever I had a VHS in the bottom and that's what I would use it for if I have to plug a TV in 
Unless there's a 15-year-old around, I'm not turning it on because they all know how to do it. I won't have any idea how to do it. The problem with TVs today hmm. is um, we got a, a new LG TV a year ago, and the, the first thing you have to do with a new TV is do not connect it to Wi-Fi. Automatic updates need to just you need to turn all that off because it would want to do updates all the time, and I just want to watch my freaking YouTube video yeah. or whatever. And then LG ads like, oh, you know, it, really? it was like, yeah, like uh, check out our whatever and i'm like no this is my tv this is a thing that wow. i should just be able to turn on <laughs> you gotta laugh it reminds me the other day i was at a friend's house and she's got the remote control for the apple tv and i haven't used apple tv and since it first came out i got the first generation 10 years ago i never got another one i haven't seen it since and the remote it, like you gotta swipe the thumb is a keep the the the, the swipe it's like a it's like a trackpad for the thumb and i have no idea what i'm, I'm like I just put the remote down. I was like, I can't select it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just put this. It's got two buttons and like a big flat area yeah. that your thumb's supposed to slip and slide on. The, the, and two buttons. I'm like, I'm like a, I had screamed from the other room. Like, how do I turn the volume down? Oh, the plus <laughs> and the minus. I'm like, are you sure? I don't want to change the channel. The show's getting good. That was one of the worst things Apple ever made. They've since made a better one, but that remote drove me bonkers with the flat little. No. Oh. I, I, that's yeah. right. It just it completely repels me. It repels yeah. me like all that technology. But again, that's maybe I'm just getting old. But yeah. I remember when it was simple. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when it was easy to use. Yeah. Get off my lawn, man! Well, are you guys done complaining about old TVs I, yeah. now? I bought, <laughs> I bought my dad. I bought my dad an iPad uh, when iPads before phones. And he called me. He goes, there's no instructions in this thing. I said, just play with it. You'll figure it out. Um, he called me two hours later. He's like, I figured it out. It's amazing. Yeah. And look, he was so excited. This was obviously 15 years ago. Well, My dad had the same reaction anymore. about Like when, when he got an iPad, he's like, there's no instructions. Where's the instructions? There's got to be something. I'm like, no, you just figure it out. And it, 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 didn't, it, didn't, he didn't, it didn't make any sense to him. He's like, it's got to yeah. have instructions. Well, I mean, that... that yeah, that's a pattern that, you know, we're taught from a pretty young age that, you know, you read the instructions to understand how something works. And then as people get better at making software specifically, that you don't need instruction, you can be walked through. Pretty big difference there. Um, so you've never skied either, David. Correct. Is that what you said? Yeah, I would. I, would to I totally would. I just never had the opportunity. Huh. So I've, I skied um, a few times. Maybe just a couple of times. And then, you know, as a teenager, I was like, ah, snowboarding looks cool or something to try snowboarding. And I did that a few times and it's really hard. And I fell and hurt my butt a lot Ooh. and ran into people and stuff like that. Then at some point in college, I went on a ski trip um, with our, our college group of people from our church. And I didn't want to snowboard because I didn't want to get hurt again. But they had these short skis. So this is the way to do it. If you're going to go ski now as someone, as an adult who's never done it before... They have short skis. I guess they still have them. They're about two feet long, and you clip into them the same way and everything. But instead of, like, I'm going to go straight really fast for a long time, it's like having rollerblades on. Like, you can just turn your feet, and you can step, and you can walk, and they don't, you know. It's totally different. It was for me, and it made it so much more fun. I know a lot of people like skiing for whatever, you know, because they have history with it. I did not really enjoy skiing, but those short skis, that's the way to hmm. do it. 
because you can walk around, you can turn, you can jump over things, you can step over the kid that falls down right in front of you, and you're not going to stab yourself in the face with the ski and stuff like that. And you don't have to have poles because you can just walk around with it. So they're a lot of fun. So that would be my recommendation. Well, I've never rollerbladed. So David, but that's not my that's not my next one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I used to rollerblade a lot. Yeah, it was. I used to rollerblade a lot. What? I was really good at rollerblading. It was like a thing to do in the city. Like you go on a date with a girl and you could rollerblade on a summer night. It was fun. Tell me, tell me if I got this right. I am picturing you rollerblading and cut off jean shorts. Of Hot course. Pink. Of course. <laughs> Just so you eat, uh, me, me and, uh, like I said, me and some friends, a couple of guy friends I was friends with. It's like a thing. It's like I didn't cause havoc like some of the punks that would do rail slides on storefronts. I didn't do any of that stuff. I did know those guys. There was a couple of guys. Uh, I, was, I was one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't one of those. I would just like, oh, let's go down to the, let's go check out the Statue of Liberty. And it's like a good seven or eight miles. It's a real good exercise. You go, you come up the West Side Highway by where Casey Neistat always is and you cross 14th Street. It was, for me, it was, it was a real big workout and a thing to do with like a new girl you're dating. It was always fun. Hmm. on a summer night hmm. so and i just happened to be good at rollerblading i was i was okay ice skater but then when the rollerblades came out and we started rollerblading playing rollerblade hockey when i was in elementary middle school and high school i i just took a real good liking to rollerblades i really enjoyed it yeah as i got older i didn't care about sports but i enjoyed the exercise hmm. it's way easier than ice skating for sure all right david what's your what's your next one I've never gone proper camping. I've I, like I, camp, like, like tent like camping, staying in a tent, campfire, no electricity. I've never, I've never done it. I have nothing against it. I, I totally would. I just never. It's horrible. I, I have slept in it a tent not. in the backyard. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, it is not. It is horrible. What is so horrible about that? Not having electricity. I remember once me and Taylor went camping and she was all gung-ho and we went to some like mountain and, she, and I was like, I'm going to climb to the top of the mountain and all this stuff. I said, I'm going to camp right here, camped right where we were. And she's like, I'm going to the top of the mountain. She went up with Bear to the top of the mountain and came back down. And by the time she came down, it was pouring rain out. She's like, we still have time to get a hotel room. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Packed the whole town. <laughs> went and got a hotel room. We, we didn't even spend the night outside. We did spend the night outside a couple times over the last 15 years, but it's... Yeah, I, it's so much nicer to be in a hotel. <laughs> and I have that camper, that camper we took out, and we did spend a couple nights in that. But it's not a tent; it's not really the same yeah. thing as being in a tent. We but, we have this hmm. this dream of one day being able to afford like a uh, a camper, but it has to have toilet facilities. That's like like I am a person of convenience, and so. Right. Um, I, I, I nothing against camping. I'll do it if the opportunity is there and it's at a really cool place. But yeah, I've just never. I've been looking, hmm. believe it or not, I've been looking for an airstream or a camp or something. But they're they're impossible to find in good shape. You could spend fifty grand and get a perfect one. And the only reason I would want it, I would find a location on the forty acres and put it there as a place, as a destination to hike to on the property. Nice. I don't want to take a camp. Yeah. I just want to, it's like a, a tiny home. Yeah. I just want it for a tiny home on the property. And that's something I've been thinking about. But ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 for like a 27-foot Airstream, and there's literally nothing inside. It's like, oh, can't finish, don't yeah. have time to finish. You know, it's just, 
impossible. I know Bourbon Malt is making one right now. I haven't followed up on it in a minute, but I remember he got it back from the mechanic. He did the right thing. He had the mechanic do everything perfect, and then he's doing all the interior. But I'm not into that really, because because it's it's it's. I'd rather build a house than build a tiny house. But I do want to buy one just to have, eventually, hmm. when the right when the right one comes along. Um, I I would encourage you, David, to go camping. All right. Just you know, like find a local. <laughs> he, camp. He's, uh, he's never going camping. <laughs> hey, you, you should. No, don't listen to Jimmy. Don't listen to him. It's horrible. You should it's just like find. It is thing. not. It is it's not. It's the Stop. worst thing you could do to yourself. Find a, a local like state park or something that has a campground. You know, don't hike yeah. out in. Oh, the let woods me tell you something about it. Uh, oh, well, hush. Be quiet. I'm talking. Stop. Stop. So you can find a state park. And just drive in. Make sure you book, set up a, camp, book a set parking up, spot sh- 18 months in advance. <sighs> they are kind of hard to find, actually, spots like within uh, state parks, depending on the time of year. But like, just drive in, you know, set up tent right next to the car. You got a fire pit there. Bring something comfy to lay on, because that's really the worst part of it is like having like not having a pad or something like that. And then when you hear and you a lose a lot of your heat through, you lose a lot of your heat through the gosh, lose a lot of your heat through the ground. So make sure that you've got something in between you because that will make it really uncomfortable. But when you wake up in the morning on a nice cool morning and you just hear outside, mm-hmm. and you got some sun coming through the trees, sun coming through the it's it is really nice. And you Not something been, you want to do all the time. But by a grizzly bear, <laughs> you wake up and you go, "Wow, I'm glad I'm alive. I'm glad I made it through the night. Let's get a hotel." <laughs> I'm just, anyway, I'm just playing. I, 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 I've experienced that. It's nice, I guess. You have not. You just said you never had. You're lying. <laughs> Ignore him. Oh, All right. right. So uh, obviously, really nice. I have been camping a few times. Not a, not a ton, honestly, but um, I really do enjoy it. And it's not something we've done for a very long time since we've had kids. So it's almost 16 years ago. It's, it's like since we've camped outside. Um, but it is something we always talk about doing and something I would like for my kids to really get the experience of. Because I think it is like, it's just a different perspective on how you spend time in nature or how you spend a night. You know, growing up and always going to a hotel tells you how you spend nights away from home. Occasionally, if that's in a tent, it gives you a little different perspective. So um, I one time went camping in Red River Gorge, which is in Kentucky, beautiful place. And a friend of mine and I were going to go climb for the weekend. And so we drove after school, drove a couple hours to get there. We got there and it was pouring down rain. It was like seven or eight at night. It was already dark, pouring down rain. And we had to set up camp. And it was one of the worst camping experiences I've ever had, having to set up a tent in the rain. And so by the time you get inside, everything is already wet. Of course. But it was also one of the most memorable trips because of that moment, because every other time I set up a tent, it was just like work. This was, wow, this is crazy. It's like blowing every direction. This is hard to do. It's wet. I was cold all night, but I woke up and had a pretty good experience out of it. And I got to climb all weekend, which was a lot of fun. All right. So my last one here, things I've never done. I've never rebuilt an engine or rebuilt a carb. Neither have I. And rebuilding a carburetor as someone who just like there's a wall between me and every bit of knowledge about it it feels like it's something super complicated and precise and there's lots of there's like a hundred little screws that you have to turn you know a sixteenth of a turn to get it to the do the thing and the right whatever 
And then as soon as you run the engine, it's going to gum up and it's going to be all off and you're going to have to. So to me, it seems completely like another thing that I just know nothing about. And I know the reality of it is if I actually dove into it, it probably wouldn't be that hard because I know a lot of mechanics and they're not like geniuses. They're just smart people. So what do you say about mechanics? No, it's not, that's not a dig. I mean, they don't have like, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is they don't, you don't have to have like an engineering degree to understand how to build a carb. They're just people who are good at their job. I think people, people are born with technology that can handle an engine and, and, Dave, you have it. You're born, you're born with the ability to just look at an engine and figure it out. To me, it's always been somewhat of a mystery. I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more comfortable with engines and carburetors in my older age. But as a kid, I just like always defer to my friends around me that were geniuses when it came to that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, people are born with that innate ability to take apart an engine and change the compression and put it back together. I never had it. In the in the limited experience that I have with this, it's funny how like the carburetor. Uh, the 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 little carburetor is way more complex than the big block of the engine because all of the magic happens okay. in that little carburetor. Yeah, Dustin's video is really good. He did a carburetor. Yeah, that's video. a it's 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 a yes. great understanding of uh, how one works and how uh, smarter everyday carburetor video from about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, that actually explained how it worked, and I don't remember it all, but. For the first time, I was like, oh, got it. Like, I didn't mean I could fix one, but, you know. Yeah, so that's the thing that I just don't have in either one of those things. I have zero experience with. I think my entry into that is uh, my old Vespa needs to be worked on to get it running again. I think the carburetor is the culprit. So it's a small, simple, (laughs) you know, simple carburetor, as simple as they can be. And I think that's the place where I need to start taking, do a bunch of research, take it apart and rebuild it as an example, as a test. And if it won't run, then well, that's fine. It already doesn't run. So <laughs> I'm not out anything, but um, it might, you know, might make it run, which would be really cool. So that's where I'm going to start with that. It's mm, cool. So Jimmy, you don't have any experience either with either one of those things? No, I never, I mean, I fixed cars, obviously, and I've gotten them running, but I've never swapped an engine. And I've never dismantled the carburetor down to... When I had the Cadillac, I bought a new carburetor and put it on the Cadillac, the antique 67 convertible that I had for a minute. I gave it to my friend because I just didn't have the time to work on it. But I was able to change the carburetor and get it running. But I didn't take the old one apart and try and rebuild it because I could have bought a rebuild kit. But those whole four-barrel carburetors are really complicated. It looks like anyway to me. Just like, I'll just buy a new one for 500 bucks and put it on there and send the old one back for like another core charge and whatever. Those are always a simpler approach. And then I have my 69 Chevy stepside pickup truck. And my buddy always says to me, Art Clement, he's on Instagram. He's an engine guru. He always says to me, let's put a, a V8 in that thing. I'm like, what would I need to do? He's like, oh, I go, you change the transmission and the transaction. And blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah. it's easy. It's all just nuts and bolts. I'm like, it's easy. I just like all you, all you have to do is change like the entire drivetrain. <laughs> Everything just, about it. I, I I see that thing monopolizing all the space in my shop. Once we start, like I, I want to start it on like a Friday afternoon and finish it on a Sunday evening, versus right. taking the engine out and waiting for parts. And then all of a sudden, it's like you ever see there's like a meme that goes around. It's like I could take a perfect. He goes, one thing I've learned about my life, and it's like camera like panning through a garage. It's like I can take a perfectly good Ford Mustang. And make it unusable for twenty years. You know, mm. it's like it's like a joke, and 
that's one of my fears. That's why I'm obsessively making sure all my cars run and start and they're all insured and they're all drivable. Even though I never use them, they're all ready to go. When because I have the I, fear of them I like to get my cars and make them not run. <laughs> yeah, that's what apparently. I'm really good at that. <laughs> yeah. When the money is right and if I decide to keep the Impala, I am going to drop in a new crate engine with a fuel injector instead of a carburetor i know that's going to drive certain car nerds nuts but i like the idea of it's more fuel efficient and more powerful and i don't have to starts every time and it starts every time another option if you don't want to change the entire thing is you can i don't know about that car specifically but on the land cruisers um you can buy a EFI conversion, like an electronic mm-hmm. fuel injection conversion kit to add on to it. So you basically just replace the carb with this. And I have this for my FJ40. And I was waiting to make a video about putting it on, but now I'm kind of just like wondering if I should mm. just do all the stuff to the 40 and not make videos out of it. <laughs> but the thing with the. That is an option for uh, engines. The thing with the Impala now is I drive it once a month, right? And so on a carburetor there's no fuel in there to get it started so it takes a long time you got to pump the gas and you got to start it and i it feels like it's always on the edge of draining the battery completely just before it starts every time start a fluid every time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it gets everything going it gets the juices flowing so then the the gas is where it needs to go by the time the starter fluid gets used up I have starter fluid in every car. It's like literally like sitting on the front seat of every one of my my old cars, because I never know where the can is. So I bought ten cans and just put them on the front seat of every car. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Cool. Any other things you've never done you want to throw out? Mm. Anyone? Anyone? You know what we should do? Sometime we should play two truths and a lie. Mm. so we all come up with something that we a couple things we have done that we don't know about each other and something that we have not done Hmm. that's a lie i was i was trying to think of when um when we were talking about camping earlier and bob you're telling me go camping and jimmy you're telling me to not go camping i wonder if that's a future (laughs) video too where one you you know you have the 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 good and the bad on on each shoulder trying to tell you to do something Mm. something. that'd be be fun yeah you and I should go camping and see how great it is and how much fun it can be. And then you go with Jimmy and you just listen to him complain the whole time and you're like, oh. So it turns out what you do is you just don't go camping with Jimmy. Yeah. yeah I, one thing I never did was make a reservation <laughs> at a national park ever. And I've gotten kicked out of every single one that you go to. Like you get to a national park at two in the morning because you don't know where you are in the southwest or the northwest or Yellowstone Park and you get to it and you're like oh my god I'm so exhausted I just want to like I just need refuge so you get to the national park whatever Buffalo Bill National Park you pull into the parking lot and you immediately put the car in park and fall asleep and at six in the morning some 95 year old park rangers tapping on your window going you need a permit to be here you can't park here you don't want to park here overnight I'm like <laughs> okay you'd rather me drive off of a cliff Sleeping, then at least just have some. You can't park it. You can park it. That's what Walmart's for, right? Yeah. There's no Walmarts in the mountains, though. That's true. You know. All right. Well, I want to thank our Patreon supporters because they uh, make this show go. Big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out in all the different ways, all the different levels. 
Um, we also have top supporters that really do go above and beyond. So big thanks to Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Chad's Custom Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Sean Beckner, Scott Oram, The New Janky Workshop, Stu Morrison, Warren Works, Michael Manegin, The Web Ranch Woodworks, and Crabtree Creative. We also have some new patrons this week, uh, like Calhoun Zabel. No, actually, that's someone who used to be one, and he deleted his. I was looking at the wrong one. So thanks for being on for a while, Calhoun. Also, uh, let's find one that actually... Vino Farm. Huh? Vino Farm. Welcome. It's funny that this list shows unpledges and pledges together and doesn't really make a big difference between them. But anyway, we're thankful for all the Patreon supporters. Uh, and they all get the after show, which I guess is not going to have video if this one has video. I don't know. We haven't really thought about that. I don't know how we would do that. But anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash making it to get the after show and to help us out. We would appreciate it very much. Do you guys have anything to recommend this week? Anything new? I was going to, I was talking about, I thought I had Apple TV in my Apple TV subscription lapse because I never watch it. But it was funny. I was at my friend's house the other day and I was flipping around Apple TV and I said, oh, you know what I, I liked for a minute as far as TV series go? The only thing I actually really ever put on was The Morning Show. Have you guys watched The Morning Show mm-hmm. on Apple TV? I still haven't. The f- no. So I didn't see season two. I okay. just completely skipped season two. And so I turned on season three the other night. And it is unbelievable the amount of like, it literally goes to like volume 11 every single episode <laughs> in every act. And it's it's unbelievable how they can just keep ramping up the drama. Can I, I, I what were you going to say, Dave? Season one, okay, is phenomenal. The, the, the finale to season one, I've had this conversation many times is I think the greatest episode of television of all time, the finale of season one, Whoa! it was so good. It was just, it was powerful. And then we didn't really care for season two and we haven't started season three and friends of ours, like it goes back to as good as it was in season one. So we need to watch. Yeah. See, I I skipped season two because I, my, my, I didn't realize that I didn't have Apple TV. But I wasn't looking for it. I didn't care. Yeah. But the other night, finally, for the first time in seven years, I sat down to watch TV. And I watched season one while I was on a, I was on the road. I had to do traveling in 20 when season one came out. And it was when Apple TV first started. And it's like, hey, want to watch? So I just put it on like waiting for an airplane. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I watched the whole series while I was on a trip. And then I never watched season two and then just started watching season three the other night. Season two is all about COVID, it seems, right? It was like through all COVID. Yeah, but season three is—it's already. I'm, I haven't watched episode three yet, but it's crazy. It's really funny to me. It's weird to me to hear you talking about a TV show that you it's weird enjoy watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I, I mean, but, you know, no comment on it. It's just interesting because it's something that you've always kind of just like ah, whatever. Yeah, no results. But. I don't get any 3D product out of it. <laughs> All right, David, what you got? Uh, I've got two. I started, we started this episode and I was like, I don't have anything to pick. Maybe I'll just keep me this week. But I thought of two while we were recording. This first one, it's this chair and it's called the grasshopper chair. 
and it came up in my Pinterest a while ago and I, and I, I pinned it to save it for later. And I was going through some old pins. I'm like, man, that chair is absolutely beautiful. And I go to the product page and they have a process on making this chair and it's not on YouTube. It's on their Vimeo. So I'm going to link to the product page and it's just really cool to see how this chair is made because there's some, some bent laminations in there and there's some upholstery and it's fantastic. And then the other pick that I have is a local YouTuber. His channel is called Camping with Sam Bananas. And he just quit his job to do YouTube full time. And his YouTube channel is about camping, which I've never done. And apparently there's this whole camping huh. culture on YouTube. And there's this thing called stealth camping where you just camp in places where you shouldn't camp, which which in the United States is okay. everywhere except for your own backyard. Uh, so, um, and, and Sam, Sam's a good, good guy. I don't quite get the camping culture on YouTube, but I also don't get the gaming culture on YouTube. So, um, maybe sure. it's for you. Cool. All right. <laughs> Sam bananas too. Yeah. It's, what a, a, name. it's a great name. Um, so mine is new video by Alex, French guy cooking. Alex, um, he's moving into a new studio. And so he has the first video about getting this new space and doing the demolition on it and starting to, it's going to be a series, uh, probably a pretty significant series of him building this new space into his new studio. And it looks really cool. It's like an old cafe. Um, just a, it's a very French little spot you know his old studio was kind of a box and he made that small box into what he needed it this one has a little bit more character and he's doing a bunch of work to it so who knows what it'll end up looking like but it's just cool to see um, people like him who are really creative and really customize things to exactly what they need when they have a blank slate like that it's really cool so I'm, I'm anxious to see what he does with that space and excited for him to have a new New place with more space and more, you know, kitchen tools and all of the things that he needs. So go check out Alex. Um, you guys got anything else? Mm. Anyone? Anyone? Cool. No, guess good. not. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Never and, have uh, I we ever. no show next week because David's out of town. Yeah. But we'll be we'll be oh, back. Next week is Maker that. Camp. It's going to be hectic for me too. So it's good. Oh yeah, yeah, maker camp. You can come for a day trip if you're in the area. You can come for the weekend if you want to sleep in your car or camp in somebody's property illegally. <laughs> Still local state park, Jimmy's front yard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks for listening, Thank everybody. You. We'll see you next time. Bye.